You're listening to a message from our Young Adult Bible Study. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you. To learn more about our ministry, go to peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. Greetings. All right. Let's jump in. Uh, today we're going to be in Colossians 1. <laughs> um, I like this sentence. This, well, it's a question. Though I think a question is a sentence. Yeah. Statement. It's a question. Will it be enough? Will it be enough? Imagine you've built yourself a chair and you're looking at all the intricate parts that have to fit together and sit together and be together in order to hold and support your body. And you, you build this chair and then you ask yourself, will it be enough? Um, or imagine you've built a deck or you've built a foundation and you look at it and you're wondering, will this deck be enough to hold people up? Will this foundation be enough to support what's on top of it? Will it actually hold me up? Um, I know a man who built a platform and he built this platform for his nephew to get married on. They were in the yard and there was going to be a bunch of people sitting down. So they built a little platform just that, so the, the bride and groom could be elevated a little bit. So he built this platform out of wood for his nephew to get married. And it was in the perfect location under a tree in his backyard. And he looked at this platform after he built it. And he asked himself, will it be enough? And in order to test uh, that theory, that question, he, he had to go and stand on it. And so sure enough, it held him. Uh, the platform held up. The wedding actually took place. It held them up. Um, here's the curveball. That was 20 years ago. How do you think it is now? No. <laughs> uh, I saw it the other day. It looks bad. It looks really bad. I wouldn't have guessed that it was. It used to be a wooden platform that was used in a wedding. It was covered in in like moss and it looked waterlogged it it was sagging literally like a foot in the middle of the platform um i don't even know how it's still standing but the question today will it be enough it is most certainly not enough today Um, we're going back to colossians 1 and uh we're going to be thinking about our faith and thinking about how our faith is not something that that degrades over time like wood or stone. Our faith is something that is rooted in something eternal. Eternally enough. So uh, Colossians 1, verses 3 through 5. The reason we go to scripture is because Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So that's why we're reading that this, this passage today. Colossians 1, 3 through 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. I'm going to read it one more time. It's so short. So we have time. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whenever we pray for you, 
since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. We always thank God when we pray for you. So the author here is Paul. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Colossae, to the Colossians, and Paul is here saying, whenever we pray for you, which we do often, We thank God for you. Paul has a heart of gratitude towards the believers that he knows, towards the Colossians. Paul has a heart of gratitude. Uh, I know I am not the only one that resonates with this verse. We always thank God when we pray for you. When I think about my grandma, or when I think about the godly friends that encouraged me through school, when I think of the couple that mentored me, when I was younger, when I think of the people that encourage me today, when I think of the people that lead me to Jesus, that model Christ, that point me to Christ, I am filled with gratitude. We always thank God when we pray for you. And then we see, as we keep on reading, we see the content of that gratitude. Why does he always thank God? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints. Uh, If you keep on reading in this passage, verse 7 tells us uh, that this news of faith, Paul is saying, we hear about your faith. And if you keep reading in verse 7, it says that someone is telling Paul about their faith. Uh, A guy named Epaphras is telling Paul about the faith and the love that the Colossians have. Uh, It says in verse 7, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Epaphras is coming um, to Paul. Epaphras was most likely a teacher in Colossians, and now he's serving as a messenger. He actually was also most likely the one that sent this letter we're reading back to the Colossians. He probably went back home and brought the letter back home with him. Paul is saying, since we heard of your faith and love, their love came from their faith. The love that Paul sees in them, that the love that Paul is hearing about in them, the way they love each other, serve each other, care for each other, the love that Paul sees in them is a result of their faith, trusting in Jesus Christ. Their faith produced love, and it was beautiful. And Paul is thankful for it. The love produced, the faith produced the love. And this love-producing faith is also rooted in something else. The text says it's rooted in their hope. Hope brings about faith, brings about love. It says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard because or heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. Because of the hope in them, they had faith, which produced a tangible love as they cared for each other and prayed for each other. And this hope is actually also rooted in something. The hope that they have is rooted in the truth. And that truth is, of course, the gospel. Jesus is the most trustworthy, the most truthful Savior. Um, But that does not mean uh, that we 
only get hope from Jesus because there's actually a lot of options to get hope from. We know from the text, we know from reading scripture, we know from our own experience, Jesus is the most trustworthy savior to have. The most trustworthy person to get our hope from. But all around us, there's other options to choose from, to get hope from. We can get hope from lots of things, but that doesn't make it good hope. We can believe the hope that our addictions promise us. But our faith in our addictions don't produce the love and life that they promise. We can believe the hope that our bad habits promise us, but our faith in our bad habits don't produce the love and life that they promise us. Even good things in our life. We can have hope in all sorts of good things, but none of the good things in our lives can truly support, can truly be enough to give us the love and life that we are eternally designed for. There is only one. There is only one hope eternally trustworthy. Jesus is enough. Jesus is the only one who is enough. The truth of the gospel is strong enough and eternal enough to be enough for our eternal hopes. The truth of the gospel is strong enough and eternal enough to be enough for our eternal hopes, which results in eternal faith, which results in eternal love, which results in eternal life. Faith, hope, love. Um, we hear about faith, hope, and love in other passages as well. There are three of the staple Christian virtues that you can study and learn more about elsewhere in Scripture as well. Faith, hope, love. But the Bible is clear here, as if God's grace couldn't get better, right? The Bible is clear here that these virtues, faith, hope, and love, are not accomplishments of ours, but they are gifts of God. Faith, hope, and love are not accomplishments of us, but they are gifts of God. Faith is a gift because hope is a gift. Faith is a gift of God because hope is a gift of God. He first loved us. He gave us. He gave us eternal hope. And that hope that led the Colossians to have great faith and then great love is the same hope that we have and it made them into a wonderful Christian community and it can do the same to us in our community. It can lead us. Our great hope in Christ can lead us to have great faith in Christ that can lead us to have great love for Christ and for the people of Christ, for each other. We have that same great hope because of Jesus. So Paul shared that foundation with the Colossians. And so it made all the sense in the world for Paul to say, we always thank God for you. It made all the sense in the world. They had a shared hope. They had a love for each other. And we have that same reason to pray for each other. 
it makes perfect sense for us to pray for each other. We have a shared hope because we love each other and because we need each other. I saw some sheep <laughs> a few days ago. <laughs> I had to Google it. Is sheep the singular word as well or is it just plural? And it's totally the singular word too. It's the sheep. I saw a bunch of sheep, but I want to tell the story of about one sheep. Singular. I saw some sheep last week, and I love sheep. Um, and it made me think of this imagined story of, uh, imagine that there was a sheep. There was this sheep. Everyone say sheep. <laughs> There's one. Imagine a sheep uh, got lost. So there's a lost sheep. Uh, and then there's a shepherd that comes out of nowhere and he finds this lost sheep. So he brings that sheep back to his herd. So imagine this sheep being rescued into a new herd. It makes sense that that lost sheep would now eat with, sleep with, and spend time with the other sheep, learning how to be a rescued sheep instead of a lost sheep. The community where the sheep belongs, so he should, he should pay attention to that community that he belongs to. He should pay attention to it. Um, it isn't by itself anymore. It now has a pack. It has a herd. It is no longer a lost sheep. It is now a rescued sheep. Um, it has to pay attention to its community to learn how to be a rescued sheep. Do we pay attention to our community? Do we recognize that we are no longer alone, but we are rescued into a herd of ourselves, a Christian community? Do we pay attention to that Christian community and learn um, how to no longer be a wild sheep, but be a part of a herd? It, it should be unthinkable for us to pray and not also think of those in our lives that we are united with and that love us so well. It should be unthinkable to not think, uh, to not pray with gratitude for those that God has given us to do life with. That is why Paul says he always has gratitude for the Colossians. So the faith that we have in Christ actually is enough and it should lead us to love through prayer. The faith we have in Christ actually is enough and it is a gift because his hope is a gift. It should lead us to love through prayer. That's exactly what Paul is doing in this text and it's for us. So here's a loving challenge. Uh, for the rest of the week, at least twice a day, you can, you can take this challenge and bend it however you want uh, in accordance with how the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Um, this is just a loving challenge to encourage more gratitude in practice. But twice a day, think of the Christians in your life and thank God for them. You can do this as you just in your regular prayer habits or you can even set a reminder on your phone, put it in your calendar, pray twice a day and thank God for the people he has given you to do life with. Thank God for the people in your life who show you what it is like to have Jesus as a good shepherd.